Brown, what in the hell do you think you're doing rebranding your podcast on me? What happened to the small room sesh, bruh? I like the small room. It reminded me of home. Well, folks, I'm going to tell you what. Listen, I want to be in a bigger room eventually, and I don't want to pull Kid Rock, you know what I'm saying? Because he's thought about it now. He's like, I don't want to be a kid no more. No, Kid Rock's the shit. Yeah, but hey, let me try to tell you. This is the Mind Over Melody podcast now. Either way, any way you look at it, I'm about to talk with a young buck, a local Grant Millerin, and uh, it's a very cool podcast because I knew I could get into the business side of things for a local musical entrepreneur like myself and to really get into detail into these things with someone who enjoys the booking aspect of things and reaching out to venues and the entrepreneurial side of things a lot. Uh, it, it was a great conversation. I hope you listen through the whole thing and uh, tell your friends, s- share this podcast, check out Grant's video on YouTube at forward slash Brown Brown 808. Anywho, Thanks for listening. Here we go. Uh, they'll end up like mispronounce or they'll misspell it, but they know how to pronounce it. So it's the pronunciation isn't like the bad part. It's just if some people get fixed on the other stuff. For sure. Well, hey, Grant. Grant Miller and welcome to the studio. Hey, Brent. Thanks for having me, man. The small room session. It's been forever yeah. since I've done a podcast. And uh, I've had on some actually pretty awesome guests. And, you know, I don't really know why I stopped. I think I started working on Dreams and Drugs. That album yeah. took so much work. Oh, yeah, dude. That was a, it's a solid record. <laughs> Thank you. I, I enjoy it. Thank you. So, um, you know, I wrote out some questions because that's just an easy thing to kick things off with. And I'm going to hit you with the basic. Okay. What got you into music? Oh, the lovely question. <laughs> or like, what inspires you, right? No, I'm not even, no. <laughs> See, come on, I'm better than that. Yeah, no, no, I know you are. Um, I got into music, um, I got like my first guitar. Well, like, I grew up uh, in just like a big, like, like my family was big into music, uh, whether it be playing or listening. Like, my dad... He's big into like listening to music. He just he loved music. So did my mom. And um, I, you know, I always just loved music. I was always kind of a charismatic kid. Um, just kind of liked, I liked to just like hum and sing and stuff. And um, my parents had both just like a cool, you know, influence in music. Uh, they both never played, but um, my dad still to this day always want. He still wants to learn how to play uh, keys. So I'm I'm helping him figure that out. So so like around the house, did you have a record player? Or? No. So usually it was it was more so like um, uh, it was just like uh, my parents, you know, playing music. Uh, you know, uh, my my dad got me my oh, what did they, what were they used to call those? Um, like the, like just the smaller MP3 players and stuff. Like my dad got us that like early on cause he really wanted us to get in the music. It was more so just being in the car and my dad would be playing all these different mixes. Like he'd have all these different CD mixes. Okay. So it wasn't just straight up radio. No, no. Oh, so was, name some of his favorite artists that you got. Oh man. He loves the Eagles. He loves U2, you know, all the dad bands he's, all right. he's, he's big into, right? U2 Eagles, uh, you know, he likes the Stones. Uh, my mom is a massive Stones fan. Um, 
But, you know, my dad likes a lot of, like, probably one of my favorite, my dad's favorite bands. One of them is obviously U2, but, like, REO, REO Speedwagon. Okay. He loves, he loves the keys player. He's just obsessed with that sound. For sure, man. You know, if you learn that kind of music, you have a job yeah. nowadays. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's it's crazy, man. Like, it, it was, it was a really weird, because, like, I, when I grew up, I wasn't, like, naturally, like, you know, like, I wasn't, over, like, in a like how some of these people are like some of these kids just grow up in like musical families where the, everybody plays. And I didn't grow up in that. I was, it was more so just the listening aspect. Like music was always playing. Right. So like I was, you know, I just was always kind of infatuated with it. And, uh, my dad's oldest brother, his son was, is my cousin, my, basically my cousin Harrison, he is a drummer. And then, uh, my dad's youngest brother, uh, uh, Gary, his kid, Tyler's my, other oldest cousin I'm the youngest on my dad's side and they're all older than me um he played guitar and bass so I naturally just kind of was interested whenever I'd visit them because they live in Texas and Oklahoma so whenever I went to visit them I would just kind of fool around with my cousins because they knew how to play when when I was younger I didn't know and then I got my first guitar when I was in sixth grade you know learned your basics smoke on the water iron man by Sabbath were you playing stuff. talent shows no, I, you know what? I was just like more so, I didn't like fully dedicate myself to music um, until like 2012, um, uh, in 2012, 2013. So I was like 14, 15. I was like a, um, I was like a freshman in high school, eighth grade. Um, I was playing sports a little bit still. Um, and it was just kind of fading out for me. I didn't have the love for it. My, my brother was the athlete of the family. He played football and, um, you know, he did all this, you know, your classic football, baseball, basketball stuff. And I played, I played basketball, football, and then in, um, kind of towards the like end of middle school, start of high school, I, I was getting into the lacrosse and I played lacrosse for like a season or two. And then I was just like, you know, uh, within that, you know, that time I was, I was in playing drums actually for, uh, two bands in high school. And I started my first band with a buddy of mine. Um, and I just was kind of doing both. And I was like, man, like I look forward so much more to like at the end of the day of like of class going home and rehearsing with my band and writing music as compared to just going to like practice. Dude. Yeah. So you were the drummer. I actually started on drums too. Hey, so, there we go. And I found that a lot of songwriters actually start on drums because I think I think something about the drums informs you on song structure like better than I don't I don't know somehow better it than does. a lot of other instruments and even though that doesn't make sense since it's not melodic I just remember when I picked up the guitar I was drumming but I just needed melody at this point yeah and I had the rhythm thing going right away with my right hand so I could right. sing with songs right away even though like I could hardly like you know, I was a terrible guitar player, but rhythmically, like, I just could sing with them right away. And that put me, it made me look like I was super talented because I could just play the guitar right away. But right. but if I wasn't singing and you just heard the other part, I'm not so sure that would have impressed people as much, you know? No, dude, I agree. I think something about the drums, like, you know, it, it kind of, it's a good, like, 
introduction because like i got introduced to music when i got my first guitar and like you're just kind of learning bam like you know smoke on the water bam 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 ba-dum. dog i was learning like jack johnson and howie day you were way cooler than me. <laughs> dude i i play jack i love no, jack. for sure yeah. for sure i love jack johnson i love i still play all their stuff in my sets nowadays because they're they've been big influences to me i was but definitely th- on the lighter side of things oh though. dude yeah no i and i get that because like that's where i'm at like i mean i love like i, I you can't catch a set of mind without hearing at least like one jack johnson song yeah or a, or a howie day tune yeah um but like you know just like you're a kid you pick up the guitar and you know it's like those are your classic like first learner tunes you know it's like you're starting to introduce yourself with like something melodic right and um i loved it and then like all my friends and like i got my guitar on a, on christmas when i was in sixth grade and then all my friends in seventh once we went to seventh grade were like hey let's go try out for football so all my, you know, you kind of just follow what your friends are doing because you want to be around your friends. And we, you know, I played football in seventh grade and then eighth grade, I was really starting to just kind of just really start dedicating stuff to music. And I was like, man, like I want to, I want to start learning drums. Like I love the guitar, but like, I'm like, you know, I feel like it might, you know, I had a couple of buddies too who were drummers. So I was like, you know, I want to start there. So one of my best friends who lives out in LA now, he's a, great jazz drummer went to um iu uh was in the jacob school of music and he gave me my first like real drum lesson in 2012 and um it really just uh really opened my eyes to just like man like uh, this is where i feel like most like where i should be you know and uh so when I started really focusing on drums, I, you know, I of course took lessons and actually funny enough, my drum teacher, uh, back in 2012, he also taught voice. He's been my voice coach for like the past six years. <laughs> he's oh, a wow. great dude. Yeah. So I, I still stay in contact with him and he's just a really good dude. And that's kind of how I got my start when it came to music with, you know, just kind of you know, started my first band. Okay. After l- that. Let me pick at some of the things that you just said. Yeah, so, there was a lot. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So for vote for your voice, you, were you never in choir or anything like that? What'd you say? Were you in choir or anything like that? No, I was never in choir. I always loved to sing. Um, I was, I was naturally a very, a very still am very goofy person. Just kind of like, like, I just like joking around. I'm, I'm like 98% of the time. I'm just like sarcastic, having fun. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I never did choir. I never, but it was like, you know, I had more of an interest of doing music, like music stuff outside of the like school structure. And as you know, since we went to the same high school and like, I'm, you know, I'm sure you probably went to one of the middle schools. Valley, right? shout out. Yeah. Shout out to <laughs> NV. Class of 2007 for yeah, Brent, class yeah. of 2016 for me. So. Oh man. Yeah, dude. I'm, I'm nine <laughs> years, nine years younger. I'm a baby. And I look even more like a baby with my well, shaped face today. You know, it, it, but you're you're doing really well with your career and you. uh you know it kind of doesn't matter what age you are i like to i like to learn from everybody and sometimes especially from people who are younger than me you right, know right yeah because you, you're going to come in with a little bit different perspective and uh i i quite really remember when somebody 33 now you know my yeah. age was talking to me when i was your age well how old are you i'm, I'm gonna be 24 in okay. may thanks for doing the math i didn't even feel like wasting the time all good, all on y'all. <laughs> yeah i get it man all but, good but so anyway way past the math days <laughs> yeah so i didn't sing at all either i didn't do choir or anything like that it i, I was also very goofy and uh really though i never sang around people but i always knew i was a great singer 
There you go. But then puberty happened, and literally changes it everything. Stopped, like I never sang in front of anybody. It wasn't until I was like sixteen, seventeen, somebody complimented me in uh, like a church get together. It wasn't a church get together. It was like a youth group thing called Young Life. Oh, and, I've heard uh, that. Somebody yeah. complimented me while we were singing like Oasis or something. Like we were all. That's something we would do. We'd all just like sing a bunch of songs. Everybody knew uh, at the end of these things and uh so i was like dude like a you positive have a great send-off. voice yeah. and i was like dude all my friends tell me my voice sucks <laughs> yeah right well and you know i think it's something like that that makes you kind of perk up a little yeah, bit yeah i mean like, one you know, compliment yeah. that's all it took to give me a little bit of comp- confidence and and yeah. uh you know i i don't mean to get to in my story but it's it, the parallels are very cool and no, so yeah, dude, definitely uh anyways so moving on then when did you find a voice teacher so when i started in like when i when i dedicated myself as you know you know 14 15 i was actually 14 at the time because my birthday's late i'm may so i'm late for you know your classic like you know most people that i knew my friends are all <laughs> they're all their birthdays are in like the winter or you know like yeah like late spring. i was september i was like the end of the class. yeah so you all right so there's another parallel we're drawing right yeah. there <laughs> but like when i started on drums like i was writing my own music um behind these bands so i was writing so my solo acoustic stuff like singer songwriter stuff i was i was doing it i just wasn't um as involved with it you know, as, you know, I am now. Um, I think it was part of the reason was because, you know, it's like I'm playing in a band with some friends and it's like, you know, drummers are more hard to come by than a guitar player or something. So I was like, yeah, no, I I love drumming. So I'm like, you know, let's do this thing, right? So I spent a lot of time doing that. But like I said, on the side, I was doing the singer-songwriter thing. And I wasn't, you know, trained at all vocally for a couple of years. I, I, I really seriously got vocally like started getting vocally trained in like 2015, 2016. So like around my junior, senior year of high school. So, um, you know, at that point I was, it was more so just like a focus of drumming for these two bands and kind of just like getting my feet wet with the singer songwriter thing behind the scenes of these bands. And then 2015, I started working with the voice coach that I'm still working with now. Um, and then when I went away to college, cause I went to Illinois state downstate in Illinois, um, and you went for, for music or you went for recording or what? Yeah. Did you- so I went for like, I went for like live sound and sound design. So it's, it's like a, it was like a creative technology. Uh, I was in the creative technology school. So I was like, it was technically like the, I was in art school basically. So okay. I was in the school of arts. So, so did you, was this about the time then that you kind of had to leave the bands a little bit? Yeah, so I kind of knew once high school was any, like, I knew I was going to go to school, and I knew I was going to go, like, I didn't want to, but, like, because um, I knew, you know, I'm like, you know, I, I was like, I'm going to make a living being a singer-songwriter, like, that's what I want to do, like, that's that's my calling. I felt it ever since I picked up a guitar, picked up drumsticks, I just knew, like, music is where I, where I kind of thrived, where I felt, like, the most open and honest and fun and, like you know, judge free, you know, so, um, or judgment free. So it was just like, I, I kind of got towards like, I think it was like the start of my senior year. I played the last like shows with the bands I was drumming for. Um, because I knew we were going to graduate and I was just like, you know what? I'm like, this is, this is the time to fully break off and just focus on being a singer songwriter. So, you know, um, fully focused, 
on the singer songwriter thing since like um, 2015, 2016. So let's just say 2016. So like six, seven years fully on that. But I've been a musician for 10. So, you know, I found when college came around, I was like, you know, this is the time for me to just kind of go explore my soul a little bit and write and focus on this aspect of things. Cause that's where I just felt like it was going. Um, so then I, you know, started really focusing on that. And then, um, I got, I went, uh, to Illinois state and, um, got signed onto their, there was a student ran record label that I got signed on to. What? Yeah, which was great. Um, <laughs> First record label right into college. Yeah, but you know what, dude? It was it was actually a good record label on like the you know what record labels do nowadays like, and just like basically buy you out of your whole life and this you know, one actually wants to help you and help you like establish yourself as an artist. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think what it was, which was so good, is like and and I'm not saying this in like an arrogant way at all, but like I was kind of ahead of where they were because like I was already like for these bands that I was drumming for, like even way back to then. I was booking everything for those bands. I was doing all the booking. I was doing all the press kit, website uploads. Was stuff that like just that. because it seemed like it wasn't going to happen if you didn't do it? Well, to be honest, the uh, you know other band members weren't as you know like they they wanted to do shows and stuff, but they weren't willing to do the. They were like, "Well, I don't know." It was. It, it's not that they weren't willing; they just didn't know where to start. Yeah, but like uh, something that I feel is like, if I want to do something, I just start doing it, and like I, I can't really concern myself with whether or not anybody else is on board because, like, I'm just going to do the thing. Is that kind of the perspective you were 100, taking? Hundred percent, Brent. It was exactly that. It was like, but it does start to it does start to weigh like when you think about it. Then I suppose. Yeah, because you're like, you know, you're kind of just like. Well, what the hell? Like, I'm doing all this work to get us gigs, guys. And, like, you know, it's like, you know, I, I wasn't, I definitely wasn't like salty or anything about it. Like, I wasn't upset. I, I knew I was, you know, I was good because I, like, out of the band that I was in, like, I was really the one that was the most outgoing and could just talk to anybody. So I was like, you know, uh, my, in, in one band, he was still one of my best friends. Uh, he was he was uh, the lead singer and lead guitarist, and he was like, "Dude, can you?" He like came to me one day. He's like, "Can you just please handle it? Because I'm just not good at this stuff." And I was like, "Yeah, of course." So I was like, "But, but you know, all that really is is just fear." <laughs> right? No. At the end of the day, that's what it is. So I was like, you know, that's when I started to get my feet wet. Like as soon as I was like playing music in seriously in 2012 and really dedicating myself to it I was learning the booking side of things because there was this promoter that was booking all these young bands which I'm sure you're familiar with I'm not gonna say his name we'll talk about it after yeah, the show yeah, but yeah and uh you know he was kind of like I was seeing a ton of other friends bands of mine like getting booked by him and playing it like you know uh like you know like the like Bally Doyles and the Q bars and, and you felt guys. like you had to sell like a bunch of tickets for things that weren't paying off right and then you'd hardly get paid at the end of the exactly thing. that's how it always I said. stopped playing those shows like I think I might have played three shows like that when I was I was playing the pop belly circuit Oh, and then I was classic. playing some shows like that, and then it'd be like this thing where I like I bring my whole family, you know, <laughs> all my all my friends. I got my cousins there, you know what I'm saying? And then right. uh, just whatever. It's just, but at the end of the day, it's like, oh, here's like 
thirty dollars, kid. It's like draw shows are, are <laughs> in my opinion, the they are the uh, the bane of uh, solo singer songwriter existence. Oh, it's Be- it. I just tell people, I'm like, man, I guess one that. to get your feet wet, but yeah. it sucks. Just don't even do that. It's just not yeah. worth it. Well, especially nowadays. You Internet, really stream, dude. Yeah, you don't need to do it anymore. But like back in 2012, it was like, yeah, the internet was still around, but it's like nobody was live streaming. Nobody was, nobody was like, you know, at my age, nobody was doing anything too crazy. And I was seeing all these bands getting booked by this guy. And... This guy was kind of just a weird dude. I mean, he had some run-ins with the law, and it was just he's just kind of a shady dude. And um, I just like I didn't really like working with him. He was just kind of very uh, confrontational, and was just like you know, like I, I remember the, this one question I asked him one time is I was like, "Hey, do you know of like any other promoters around the area that are like like booking other spots? Like any friends of yours that are looking like just like genuinely being like, hey, do you got any buddies that are you know needing some shows filled up that like because my bands were looking to fill our schedules a little bit more? And then like at that point, it's like we were young bands. We're like we just want to get out in front of people. Yeah, like yeah. At the end of the day, it's like we didn't you know necessarily care about the money. Um, and he was like, why would I share anything with my, with you about like my competitors and all this? And then I was like, oh, okay, now I see it. It's like this guy is just doing this for the money and he doesn't really care about bringing bands together or like making a musical um, – conglomerate of people who actually are in the area and like keeping it a, like a, a like making it a scene. It was more yeah. so just about like, hey, you know, come sell as many tickets as you can so I can get paid. So, but something then you've obviously learned over time is like you probably still work with a lot of booking agents, right? Um like here and there. Yeah, I mean, more so just I I, I wouldn't even call them agents, just more so people that are like I, I guess we can call them that. Yeah, just more so like booking folk. That's what I call yeah, them. Yeah, people that but book for certain t- stuff. Typically like people always ask me they're like, "Well, do you fill up your schedule or whatever?" I'm like, "Honestly, when you do it for a while, what starts to happen is establishments when they want to fill their schedule again, they just send you emails and then like you'll run into a couple booking agents along the way and uh, you just should never really depend on any one of them. But at the same time, like a gig here and there, they take a little cut off it. It's yeah. fine. Whatever. Yeah. Like uh, in, at the end of the day, man, I only focus on what I'm going to get and whatever else a number is man i've i've had some shows booked by like a bigger booking agency before where i'm like man like (laughs) you gave me way more money than i can even have the confidence to normally ask for right you know and yet and still uh you still made money and i'm like it's inspiring in a way though when you see that happen no I, i think they're i think they're crucial man it takes it it takes a certain kind of mind to be a booking agent and that's what you do right and like, in my opinion, I, you know, I don't necessarily deal with like, um, more so booking agents where like, Hey, I'll book you for this, but you have to give me a percentage. I'm, I'm my own booking agent. So I, I pitch myself and honestly, I'm kind of a nerd about it. I like it. I like pitching myself. I like putting myself out there. I like, I like kind of cutting out that middleman. Like I don't, you know, I think it's just that classic thing. It's like, okay, yeah, you're going to give the booking agent a 10, 15, he's going to take 10, 15% of a book or a booking he gets you. I mean, that's fair, 100%. But like, I'm like, why don't I just 
do it myself and not have to pay that, right? For, and, for sure, man. Because uh, that's the work. You you definitely are more of a hustler on that front than I am. I, I suppose I'm just so content with time that I'm not playing a show to work on new stuff. Right. That uh, whether it's recording, whether it's writing songs, whether it's uh, technology side of things. And so a lot of times, uh, at least lately, earlier on, I worked with a lot more booking agents. But um, yeah, it did turn into this sort of thing where I was negotiating all my own stuff. Um, private parties have become way more of a thing. Yeah, I do private events, too. So I'm like on top of the venue gigs. I do a ton of a private. I did. I think I did. I think I did about eight last year. Which is more than usually of what I like to do, because private events are hit or miss, man. So, really, well, let's get back into that, but I would like to touch back on the the record label at your school. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, what what did you release out of that process? My, so I released, like, my first big studio album on that, on that record, but I did it all outside of the label. Like, I didn't go, I didn't do it through any of the, um, well, kind of how it went was, is I had this record written, and... We went in and I worked with a buddy of mine who was also in the, you know, kind of mixing mastering school that I was in, the sound design. Let's just put it under that umbrella. Um, and we went in and recorded with him and, and my drummer drove up. He was he was actually uh, still a great friend of mine, still will drum for me in the studio here and there. But um, he was going to University of Missouri, so Mizzou, and he was driving up from Columbia uh, he drove up one weekend and we just kind of laid down tracks at the studio, uh, this small studio at uh, Illinois State. And it kind of like, it was in our headspace that we were going to like, this was going to be the record that like, this is the record recording. And then it kind of just came out in the way of like, just not, it just sounded too like way too demo-y. And, uh, and you know, and it's, it's you know, nobody's fault. Like my, my buddy who was mixing it and mastering it or more so just mixing it is like, you know, he was a student, you know, he was yeah. learning like, and I was like, just happy to be there and say like, you know, Hey, at least we got these demoed out so we can kind of nitpick and go through that stuff. So once we got that, then I ended up going and recording it with one of my good buddies who had a, has a really nice basement studio in Naperville. Um, my buddy, Jeff Suchek, who is a drummer for the band, um, called old soul. And um, I don't know if they're still doing anything, um, but they're, the, that whole band was, I went to high school with them in middle school and we all grew up together. Great guys. So I ended up going with Jeff because I think Jeff really, he had just more so a higher quality of stuff, but he was, um, he was just more like, he kind of knew the sound I was going for. And uh, like, I remember sitting down with him for like 20 minutes one day and like, I was like, this kind of what I'm thinking. He's like, yeah, we could do this, this and this. And I just liked his approach. So we ended up going to record with him in Naperville. Um, we finished up the record and I ended up just releasing it under the record label still. So I released that and that was like my first, you know, full length album. It was about eight songs. So it's just a small LP. So, okay. Um, when I was, when I was quick perusing, I thought I only saw one full length on Spotify. Yes. So there's there's one full length on Spotify. So is that not the same one? No, it's the, it, that's that's the same one. That's from 2018. Okay, what's so that called? Again? That's called the Little Things. That the was my things. first like sh- it's you know it's a shorter LP, eight yeah. songs. But um, it was hey, anything over six, man. Anything over six works. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, and it was it was one of those things where um, I was really excited because this was some some content I was writing for not like crazy long, but I was just really excited about it. So I ended up releasing the album, my, my debut album called the little things on uh, Stu, it was called Stu records, student records. Um, 
and I released it, and it was it was it was a great time. But the record label was a fun time, but it was definitely interesting because it wasn't like a, what like, they get out of it. It was more so um, for people that like myself as an artist, or like the that we had like A and R people, and then we had like the president and like the the vice president. It was all stuff. students. It was all student ran, so it was it was really for like resume stuff and yeah. to just kind of connect and kind of get a sense of what the music business world was like. Um, and I definitely thought it was it was definitely a very cool experience. I was on it my freshman and sophomore year, but after my sophomore year, I was like, it just didn't really serve a purpose for me anymore because it was like the people who were supposed to be in charge of like running the shows and booking like these showcases of all these, all these people, like they just like, it was just the same venue as this coffee house. And, and again, you just wanted to just do it. <laughs> right. And it was just like, I was like, I just kind of like, I'm making money, you know, being a touring artist. But like, you know, when I was at school, I wasn't full time. I was doing about maybe one or two sets a week just because I was in school and, you know, still want to have time to like hang out with some friends and get to know new people and stuff. Um, but like, I, I just kind of got to the point where I'm like, well, like they're, you know, and it's no offense to them. It's just the fact that like I was so enthralled early on that like I figured out my thing and covering all that for myself. So it was like, you know, all right, like I feel like I'm just kind of wasting my time going to these once a week, one and you know, hour and a half meetings to talk about stuff that didn't really you well, know, affect me. You're not alone in that. I mean, you could find plenty of musicians who just on a moment's notice, right when they figure it out, it's like. I'm gone. Like, yeah, because, because like, if I'm not, it's like, I'm just not going to be happy. That's the thing about creative people is like, legitimately, if they, they just won't wait around. They will not wait around ever. None of them who are really passionate creators ever wait around and you wouldn't want them to because they'd yeah. be very unhappy. They'd feel like you are locking them into a box. Yeah. Like it is that intense. Creativity is definitely <laughs> expressed in the exact opposite way. And yeah. I, I just kind of felt like it just was like, it was a good, and I'm not bashing it. I think it was a great thing for me um, because I got to meet some really good friends from you know that are still friends of mine from college and we used to do these like record record label parties and we'd all get together and everybody would just like catch up and it was awesome like it was very socially awesome um but i just felt like my sophomore year when the like my freshman year the president and the vice president were like two of the greatest people i've ever met in college just like all, shout out shelby goodman and jordan uh Montano, he's just uh they're just great people they're actually dating now which is cool oh snap yeah so it's pre it pretty cool so um i always knew they kind of had a thing for each other hey. too. i remember i remember seeing it when we'd have these parties i'm like you guys like each other you should go out but um they were they were just great people um and really like really said a lot of great things about me and it, and it was never like a it was never a competition or anything, but they were like, I mean, in many cases too, they were like, dude, you're easily the best artist on this label right now. And I'm like, well, thank you. But I'm also like, it's not about that. You know, it's like, I'm just happy to be a part of something. And I was a freshman in college. I was, I was new to this whole world of like college and, and all this. So it was, I ended up releasing that full length on there and I had a lot of time to just, um, kind of reflect going into the next year and then like 
then my sophomore year when they graduated there was a young uh, there she was actually younger than me and she got appointed as the president and she was just kind of like you know she had some good ideas but she wasn't like her her and I personalities didn't really mesh well and I think that like I think she's a great person um I just don't think that our personalities meshed really well in the way that we looked at things and I think you know I wasn't playing it from that headspace of like I'm better than you because it wasn't like that it was more so just like hey look like I know how this could run really smooth and she never really took that into account and well it was like okay whatever. yeah and when i was making my comment before about sort of like when an artist knows he's got to go or she's got to go yeah it that wasn't to that ever discredit anything that's happening it's just right. to say that when you know what you're after when you're like on the scent yeah you know when you, when you have a vision it, you're gonna chase it, it. Yeah. just it just when it's time it's time every single time and everything that leads you there needs to happen and everything is way more beautiful in hindsight, you know? Oh, dude, 100%. And, like, I'm grateful for all the friends that I met on the label and, like, how, you know, it did teach me some things, but for the most part, it's like, I've been doing this. And I think that's why, like, my friends who were the president and vice president my freshman year were like, dude, you're miles ahead of people. Because, like, I have just been putting in the work and the time. And a lot of people, like you said, it's fear. A lot of people are just nervous and they don't know where to start. For me, it was like, I don't care. I'm just going to start right here. Yeah, yeah. man. I, I took off my first three <laughs> albums and I produced. Well, one of them I didn't. Uh, I went into a studio called Apocalypse Cow in Montgomery. and uh, That's a dope name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and anyways, uh, I think I paid like, it was $50 an hour. And I went in there one day with like seven songs and literally recorded them all that day. And I had like a steel pan I borrowed from a friend. I had like a nice. tambourine and a shaker and my acoustic guitar. And that was about it. And, uh, dude, I just did it. You know, but at the end of the day, okay, I, I get a cheap laptop. Wasn't very good. You know, then I got a Mac Pro. Was it was great, actually. Yeah, Probably one no, of the best a, computers I ever had. Great. Um, uh, that I, I suppose that was like 2009 when I got that. Anyways, Sounds about right. Yeah. Anyways, I record recorded all that stuff, and and it's funny that how much people liked that stuff, even though I had zero recording background. Right. Uh, almost just the doing it. Because you love it, I think it shows has the authenticity. A, but yeah. it has a magic to it. It's almost like you can't truly sound bad when you're enjoying it that much. Because then, how would you be enjoying it that much if it sounded bad the whole time you're doing it? I mean, I guess it's possible, but at the same time, it's like now I'm at the point where I, when I go to release something, dude, it takes a while. Yeah. And I think that there's like a slowing down that happens as you mature as an artist for sure. But that's because now broad strokes don't do it for you as much anymore. Yeah. That's how it is for me, at least. No, I totally agree. I totally um, agree. So moving on then, did you start recording yourself or did you then proceed with continuing to go to other people? Like, had you been learning recording this whole time at school in that process? Like, Yeah, no, I, I, I have been kind of messing around with it on both ends. So like I would do it myself, but I would also go to like producer buddies of mine that I'm friends with. So it's like, I 
it just really depended. Like more so the demo stuff I recorded myself just because it's like, why pay for demo time? <laughs> but like um, I more so kind of let other people do my mixing and mastering just because I think like at least in my head, I'm like, I don't want to get too comfortable with the stuff that I'm doing because if there are some spots that I'm not, you know, hearing, because when you hear something so many times, it's like, you're like, okay, like, I feel like it's at that point. So I kind of like to put it in somebody's, somebody else's hands in a way, just to, so they can kind of hear those things that maybe I'm not hearing or, um, or getting like, Hey, how about, how about we try this for this? You know? So I, like I said, for my first album, I recorded with my buddy, Jeff, and then um, I do all my recording now with my buddy Chris, who's a drummer for a, a local band. They're in Plainfield, um, so essentially Naperville. I mean, it's just like one big, massive town. Yeah. <laughs> um, and a band called Each Day. They're they're a great, like, indie band. Um, his name's Chris uh, Marzalek. He runs his, you know, produ uh, production through a thing called Two Coins Creative. Um, and I go to him now for, you know, I've been going to him since... Um, Ooh, since I released Comeback Kid in April, but I've been going to him since probably... That's a great track, by the way. Thank you. Thank uh, you, man. It, it, in case of, you know, anybody wants to, Grant's got his music on everything. He's going to be playing a song as well for us in a little bit yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Comeback Kid is awesome. Uh, what, Thanks, man. What do you think you're going to be playing today, though? You know what? I'm going to probably play one of the uh, one of the new ones I got um, that I just finished up in the studio, actually, a couple weeks back. So I want to definitely debut that. Um, okay, and and because I've sure. played a couple live sessions with him, it just feels good. But um, yeah, I just work with my buddy Chris, and he he handles all the mixing and mastering. But what I, but what you had said before with going to Montgomery and paying by the hour, Chris does it by the song, which is oh which yeah, is great. I've heard. You you know what I've had happen is where somebody is offered by the song or or, or not. Yeah, by the song or by the hour. So you actually get to pick. So it's oh, almost like great. a bet on your part. It's like, hey, this is either what it's going to cost, but it's probably going to cost more than that when it's all said and done. So you should probably just do what the song is going right. to cost. Right. I, I, I am a true believer in always pay by the song. Um, I think what I love that Chris does is he goes, we can get, we can hammer out all the stuff, all the basics that we need, drums, guitars, any vocals backing or main, um, you know, any, anything percussive, you know, anything like basically just anything basically. And if they want, you know, any additional tracks on top of that, like, um, like, Hey, we're going to put like, you know, marimba in this, or we're going to do this. Like, you know, he, do you he maybe chuck a little bit extra for, yeah, doing, so you feel a little you know, bit of that, like when you're like, ah, I feel like I got my value out of this at this point in time, because oh, that's why some people just won't even go there. Well, right, and Chris is one of my like closest friends. That so, helps too. Yeah, so he's he always gives me a deal because I'm I'm constantly with him. So like, I'll go like we'll we'll record a handful of songs, then I'll go on like a two or three month break and just focus like being on the road and like putting out all this content. And then I'll be like, hey man, I want to get back. I got some new songs written i want to just kind of get back and record this one so i've been with ever since i've been with him i've, been, I've just been kind of releasing by the single um just because as a up-and-coming artist it's a little bit more digestible to people to hey say yeah hey, here's one song as compared to like hey here's a whole album you there's know? a okay so yeah right there was so much that i could talk about that's yeah. ridiculous so yeah. i'm just gonna go off that okay single have have you done any? I think you did an EP, maybe two. 
Yeah, so I've done, so I, uh, August of 2018, I released The Little Things. That was my first, like, eight-song LP, right? And then I have a couple of live sessions, uh, like live EPs. Um, yeah, I saw one of them was at uh, Sound Summit. Yeah, and shout I'm out tight Charlie. With Charlie. Yeah, Charlie's Charlie the man, dude. I yeah. go. I'm actually going there today, so I go there uh, once a week for just like a studio rehearsal, just to get out of the house and have my own space and rehearse and get ready for the week. He played on my album for play. He played the drums on that. Oh, and he did, dude. It's a it. He's his fantastic. drumming is incredible on that album. He is. He doesn't. He's literally the most modest dude. I mean, he yeah, does not real. ever talk about himself. It's crazy. Um, and I say he should, Charlie. You should, because you're you're amazing. He's yeah. a great drummer. I've, <laughs> he really I've seen is. Him drum. He he does. A, he plays a lot of drums for the open mics, like at Empire on Tuesdays mm-hmm. and like Wednesday. They still Dallas. do that. So they just brought it back to Empire. Because finally. I was doing that for Dude, a while. Those those Tuesday open mics are perfect for me because I live downtown and it's a good. I'm way gonna to come just, hang out. Dude, you should like, <laughs> just text me. Maybe we can. Yeah. Maybe we can meet up one night. We can both showcase. Whatever some songs. the next time you're there, I'll try to make it. Yeah, dude. Uh, I haven't done one in a little while because, you know, COVID kind of threw everything off. Yeah. And then they were doing Wednesdays at Belly Doyle Downers Grove, which is only about 15 minutes from me. So oh, they were doing that? So they took over for uh, Jeff? Yeah, I think so. I, I don't. I haven't talked in depth about it with Charlie, but I know they were doing that. I, I hope they're doing both, but I think they might have just gotten back to Tuesdays at Empire. I think a lot of people are kind of just... They were kind of waiting to see if this COVID thing was going to keep going on. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, the waters are pretty still on that front right now. Right. I think it's safe to come out of the, you know, we should keep living yeah. how we want to. I'm one of those people where it's like, hey, you have the free will to do whatever the hell you want. If you're if you're scared to be in contact with people and stuff or not scared or just nervous or whatever, like, you know, don't go I, out there. <laughs> I got to tell you, I'm 0% afraid, you know. And Me either. And, and it's, it's, it's one of those things where I'm aware, you know, it, you could totally get sick from it still or whatever, but it's just one of those things where I just kind of feel like you could have a lot of bad things happen to you. And like, it yeah. doesn't change my philosophy that like you are going to for sure die one day guaranteed and like you're for sure alive and feeling great right now. So like you should really take advantage of that. I one hundred and fifteen percent agree. <laughs> I think uh, I think that this madness is hopefully and looks like it's coming to an end because yeah. it's. Um, I mean, luckily with us, like we can still do our jobs and stay. You know, I don't know. I I think it's just you know, stay six feet away. Yeah, it's, it's like uh, that. If you don't want to go out, don't go out. If you're nervous about it, you have the free will to not do it. That, that so, was always my thing in the beginning, man. I, I, I always just kind of felt like the whole time it should have been uh, where essentially anybody who's like living with somebody that they don't want to get sick, it makes sense if they quarantine or if anybody is like could get hurt like or, or you know, die easily from it. They should just not go out and all the money that we're going to filter to all the people who can't work to jobs anymore. We could just give to the people who, who can't go out. And right. we just have society go on with like whoever is healthy, young and strapping. And it's like, yes, it's a, right. it's a dangerous world. And if you want to apply for some special thing, cool. But there are like a lot of people who like probably would have just been down to get sick and get over it. Like, right. and who, you know, I don't want to say what way would have worked better, but that's, I can't believe we didn't do that. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I, I think everybody just got so so wigged out. But like, it made me happy to see like with with Charlie, 
and uh, and like all the the Empire Tuesday open mic because what blows my mind and no offense Empire folks but they don't book anybody they literally book DJs on that stage I'm like that is a, it's a sweet musician stage, stage. it's and, sweet and like it's I think I think the guys who own Empire that group they're nice people they're great people I've talked to them before lovely they're, joint <laughs> yeah very I mean great spot don't get me wrong. I mean, they own now like three or four different spots in downtown Naperville. But like, oh dang, I didn't know that. Yeah. So the the Empire Group owns Empire. They own that new spot now called Bev's. That's in Jimmy's Grill. Um, they own that huh. place called Heisman's. That's like right across the street from BD's Michael Damn. and Grill. In South and then they also own the uh, they own the Barrel Room at Belly Doyle. So Aurora. the Empire name was no joke. They're like, listen, yeah, we're starting an empire up in this business. Yeah, no kidding. Well, and they own Northcott Liquorette, the speakeasy on top of it so um i don't know about that but it sounds cool dude yeah it's expensive so, so. anyway but, anyways yeah, though uh, is like you know i'm just happy to see that that stuff so back. we were talking about ep album single so i agree with you and for the longest time i actually felt a genuine um amount of uh uneasiness if i didn't release an album at least like pegging once every year and a half. Right. I say, like, we're talking the whole 10 song or more. Right. And uh, now it's to the point where I can really track the the analytics and whatnot. Right. And uh, I'm like, ooh, you know, the EP format to me is now... Well, singles are the best. Yeah. Okay, for, sure. for, for as far as if you just want performance, but... For somebody who does love putting together like a bigger picture of story, it's like EPs are actually still pretty great. You can get up yeah. to six songs, but uh, the last one I did was four songs, and that um, was a lot easier to promote because I knew I can handle promoting four songs. Nothing gets lost in there. There's never like a filler per se. Right. Um, Albums like they tend to be fillers, and people tend to know that there's fillers. And so, yeah. like nowadays, nobody just has the time for it. So I'm like, dude, if you just, but with the singles, like they don't like the song, they don't like the song. It's like if there's an EP, it's like there's four songs. I think a lot of people, if they're your fan, they're gonna listen to the whole EP just right. to see if it's only four songs. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's I agree. a very good. It's more digestible on that front than a, like a eight, like double that, like an eight song album and stuff. I just, I, I, I would have to agree. I think that releasing by the single or EP is kind of the smartest way to go in this day and age because people just attention spans are trash. But then an another seconds. note, though, something to consider is that the the new release that Spotify does where they promote your music for you, yeah, um, the new release spotlight thing, uh, that lasts for like three weeks or yeah. something like this. So I've heard, uh, I got, uh, I paid essentially a counselor to just give me like a two hour maybe it's like a one hour rundown of like particularly these questions i'll answer them for you just go right let's and he's like you gotta if you really want to play that and get it going you need to release once a month yeah. one single every single month just to keep that algorithm constantly digesting in in this past year i did that pretty much i mean yeah. every month i released and and it did well but it didn't do well enough to make me want to keep doing that instead of deciding, nah, I got to do like an EP here and there and just take off some some time and build it up because like 
Yeah, it's just like little pieces of sugar, man. Yeah. Like for the people who really are fans, like uh, you know, and the, especially if they're used to you releasing albums, it's like. Yeah. But dude, after Dreams and Drugs, it's like it's so much work. I still got a ton of vinyl left on that. Yeah. It still sounds great. I still play the songs. It's like there's no reason I shouldn't use that. And right. I think an album is good for you to have to sell as a full album. For sure. I've been selling like compilation CDs, so you could put all your singles on a CD and sell that. Right. Uh yeah, yeah. I, I think I think we probably totally agree on all this right oh, now. But yeah, I, I, yeah. I just wanted to say it in case any musicians, which you're probably all musicians listening to this right now. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much why I made this podcast is yeah. to give you an insight into like either full time musician or, or serious songwriter right or, or very interesting person that's like pretty much the only people yeah right uh that i want to do a podcast with no yeah but so you go on the road too yeah yeah so i mean i'm full-time so i i play about a i play like no less than 115 shows a year so now, I'm, I'm now when you go crazy. on the road what's because i'm certain you wouldn't have to go on the road if you just wanted to play like you know an hour maybe hour and a half radius why do you travel at all you know i travel because it's it's honestly an itch i like to scratch i like to travel i like to be in different places naturally um but i i think i'm just trying to build up my 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 name more in the more more so regional aspect right now with how i'm doing things so like i'm up in i'm up in the milwaukee and milwaukee suburbs all the time um, on gigs, I'm in uh, like Grand Rapids and those you know southern suburbs as well. Um, I usually just do like the west coast of Michigan a lot, all the way up to Grand Rapids and, and down and, and Kalamazoo. How many cycles of that would you say you've done? Oh, over how long? Oh man, I've been really hitting like Michigan, Wisconsin a lot more in the past like two three years. Um, but cycles that'd be kind of hard. Usually it's like I- I'm out of town at least once or twice a month. Doing okay, a, so a run. when when you do a run, are you seeing any familiar faces at these places when you go back? Yeah. Are you are are the venues printing posters for you or are you sending them to them or So usually what I do is like I'll make a design or I'll just send press photos and they'll go in and, and mock it up and they'll they'll throw it out and put it on their their socials and stuff, throw it around the venues okay. and stuff like that. Cuz so. I can see the appeal in why you'd want to travel for the sake of like people not getting too used to you in an area and like right. be like okay if you enjoyed me i'm only gonna be there w- once or twice this year you kind of create like, like an that. exclusivity to it yeah I, um it was just more so I, I just love the traveling too i love those states and i know people in the area and i'm just trying to just keep building that fan base in those and those so parts are you region. staying in hotels or are you yeah okay yeah, yeah so i'm doing more more hotel stuff do you have a um, particular hotel that you always stay in ooh, like 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 uh I, like I'm, a brand or you kind of just pick whatever's it, the best price that night yeah i mean i st- i like to stay in a nice hotel like i'll spend i'll spend you know i'll spend a hundred hundred and ten bucks on a nice hotel room for the yeah night. yeah you yeah know, give I'll, me something without any bugs yeah right exactly <laughs> um you know i'm, I'm very continental brec- breakfast yeah, maybe yeah right and like i i i would say some of my like it's more so by like the region so like like in in michigan i like i do like uh i like i like best westerns um those are pretty nice out there Okay. Um, they're pretty like you know seven and a half eight out of ten they're fine and okay. they're, they're nice beds comfy good rooms um but like in wisconsin it's a little bit more 
it's a little cheaper because it's just uh, I don't know why. It's just there's more hotels and there's it's like Milwaukee is a lot like Chicagoland. It could be a tax reason too. Yeah, I think it could be that you know because every state's different. Like if they can afford to not charge you as much as Illinois, why? Why would they necessarily? Why would they? They were just super greedy. It's like normally businesses, I feel like, do just charge like what they should. Yeah. No, I agree. (laughs) But like, I think my favorite hotel that I've been at on the road is um, actually recently. I've stayed in a Sinesta Select in Brookfield. Um, It's under Marriott. And it was 102 bucks for the night. And the bed was the comfiest bed I think I've ever slept on. That's what's up. I had to ask the front desk lady what the mattress was. It was that nice. So... With all the gas, with all the car maintenance, with all the hotel and all that, you're still, um, you're still doing pretty good then on the profits. So oh yeah, yeah. So kind of what I do. Do you is, sell a lot of merch at gigs? Or? No. So I actually give out merch for okay. the most part. So I use it as kind of like a business expense. Um, since you know, naturally, I my my small corporation, my S corp, which is it's you know legal binding. Um, you know, it's I pay yearly to have the license for it. Um, I, um, you know, I, I, I use it as a business expense to just, get I had an S corp for a while. Yeah. Actually. So yeah, I know, the, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. It's great, man. I'm, I enjoy it. So you get the liability because of that. Yeah. So what I'm doing now is I actually pay for a liability insurance. Oh, nice. And then I itemize my super expensive, uh, gear. There you go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if somebody trips over some, knocks something over, like yeah. it's covered, you know. But yeah, without the S corp, and if you're not paying for that, definitely a problem. Uh, and then for merch and gear, I use the ST S one or ST one sales tax. And yeah, I can do that annually, and I just track the CDs and vinyls that I sell. Yeah, so yeah, anything that you usually kind of sell, you track, but. Um which is awesome. So, like, basically, like, if I get any purchases on my website and stuff, it goes through all my yeah. business stuff. So but it's all tracked. But uh, yeah, once in a while, I'll give away a CD or something like that. You yeah. know. But uh, since I'm up and coming, I usually just like I'll I'll bring like I got a couple of t-shirts and uh, hats left from my last batch that I bought, and I'll just like bring them out and like on my break, I'll be like, hey, you know, I'm giving out free stuff. I got like three smalls left. Is anybody here interested in a free t-shirt? That's a small. And they'll give it out. And so it's just a really good way for, you know, I think I've just, with the way that I've looked at how, you know, my career is, I'm like, you know, I, I I sit there and I'm like, you know, I I know I'm, I don't have this John Mayer level fan base right now. And obviously, of course, it's a goal to get to something like that. But, um, you know, it's like, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta spend money to make money in in the natural basic scheme of things. So I'm like, you know, I'll spend three hundred bucks on a batch of merch and I'll give it out just to see the smile on people's faces. And and for the most part, people are so like excited about it. they're like, oh, I'm gonna give you a tip and yeah. then they tip you yeah, for, yeah, for sure for services. So it's like it all what, works out. One more question on on the sort of revenue side of things. Yeah, yeah. I, I checked out your website and it you have a subscriber thing. Yeah. The tears. And yeah. uh Subscriber tiers, uh, as in T E I R S, yeah, something like yeah, this. Yeah, I think it's T I E R. Yeah, yeah, I always yeah. flip those darn. Yeah, the eyes, <laughs> yeah. Man. yeah. Anyways, uh, I so over you, e except after C. Oh my God, I'm gonna have to listen back to that one. But yeah, anyways, right. uh, so when you're 
uh, when you do that, you do one show a month then on the internet for people? So I was doing that. And then kind of when things came back, I kind of like nixed the subscriber thing. Um, cause I just was with the way that my schedule is with just being out in the road and actually like being like physically in front of somebody, <laughs> you know, and people, I, I kind of just like, I kind of just told like subscribers, I'm like, Hey, you know, I'm going to take a break on this. I'm going to like pause your subscription. So it's not like you're paying for, yeah. you know, oh, that's you cool. know, stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I did that for a little bit through COVID, and then I just was like, I honestly found it was just like a lot to keep not up worth with it, and not really worth it. Yeah. So, you the know, people who do Patreon, man, I mean, that's a serious commitment. I started a Patreon yeah. one night, just getting excited about it, and I'm like, dude, no way, yeah, <laughs> I, I can't do it. I agree. It's just it's a <laughs> lot of extra work on top of like, dude. I mean, this year I have 125 sets booked already. It's like, I'm like. I'm on the road. Like that's my, that's first and foremost what I do. So I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to overshoot that. You know, the, the way that I would do a Patreon is gotta be more or less for like an instructional purposes sort of thing. Like that's how I would do it. Like since I'm so into the looping stuff, like I would do it in like a way to where I was more an instructor or something like this. Right. Or where you could get my time for a little bit. Right. But if I wasn't in, in also, um, it kind of depends what what um, direction my career goes. I'm I'm working hard. I just upgraded both my rigs, and I'm working hard to shift uh, more more to bigger stages. And you know what? Yeah. How, I, that that's a easier said than done. But I'm utilizing like every social media there is. Reddit has been huge for me. I had twenty two thousand people watching because i got to the top of reddit like last week dude that's awesome and you know it's but still still it's like okay well what what did it what did it do no top of the reddit page i got put wow and it was because i did reddit uh sessions is what it is so if you're playing music anywhere you can just stream that that's awesome and uh yeah but it's one of those things where sometimes nobody will watch and so it's like well yeah, but I think streaming nowadays can be huge. And the people who I see that are successful with like Patreon and, and things with like YouTube, uh, they are definitely working in the streaming. They're definitely working in like where products are sponsoring them and things like this. Mm-hmm. I'm really interested in that. I'm down to play bar gigs all day long, breweries. Like I love yeah. the places I play. I love playing for people. Honestly, it's super, super dope. I've just done it for so long that I'd like to get a little bit more action outside of that. Right. And uh, so, yeah, that that's kind of what I'm on right now. But I was just really interested about the subscriber thing because I'm like, you yeah. know, it's maybe, maybe if you give me a good reason right now, I'll think about yeah, that. But right. it's, yeah. it's okay. That's pretty much what I thought it'd be like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I'm definitely interested to look at that route at some point in the future and just kind of like do more stuff from home so to you know cut down on the traveling but like you know it's like i just got the traveling bug i like to travel it's all for good reason it's like you know i the way that the revenue stream works too it's like it it all it all pays off and it all works and the the profits are still good so it's like i'm still able to do what i love to do and travel and afford it all you you also seem like you got the oh brain for it like it just seems like your mind is wired 
to be good at booking, to be good at like organizing these sorts of things. I'm super organized. Dude, I, yeah. my uh, like I am super organized, but that's because if I was not yeah. super organized about the things that I have to be organized about, my brain is off in the clouds, man. Like seriously, like it's it's whenever I start something, it's like I have to be focused 100% on like that or at least 50 percent like but when it comes down to like i gotta travel i gotta like figure out this still answer emails and stuff man i that i give you props um Thank i you. really hey, I re- you came up to me at your set at two fools a couple weeks ago you're like dude you're like a mogul yeah <laughs> and i'm like do not call me that <laughs> i also like the word mogul yeah it is a nice word yeah it is it reminds me of monopoly yeah. anyways uh because we're too nice mr brown we're, we're uh getting to the end of this podcast yeah, here so yeah. let's let's set it up for a song Perfect. i'm gonna pause this really quick and uh everybody who's listening only you can go over to youtube.com forward slash brent brown 808 there will also be a link in the description for the video of this performance all Great. right what song are we gonna do today this this song is a new tune of mine that i will be releasing this year called nightcap whoa i like a drink at the end of the night salad okay all right here we go Say that I hope for a better life, but I was dealt a gray sky hanging over my head like a dull light. Meet these friends of mine, it always felt out of sight. Shouldn't life be better as you age, like a fine wine in a sunny space? I don't want to sit around and feel this bad, drowning out the pain with the night. You never really know what's gonna happen And all I know is I miss you so And I will say that I Put all my faith in time into those who never cared But you'll never catch me shedding the tears Then she came around Turned my whole world upside down It hasn't been the same since the day she left Writing these tunes to get something back You know I'll always be your man Filling up my veins with a nightcap You never really know what's gonna happen And all I know is I miss you bad I don't wanna sit around and feel this bad Drowning out my pain with a nightcap You never really know what's bound to happen And all I know is I miss you so Sit around and feel this bad Drowning out the pain with a nightcap 
You never really know what's gonna happen And all I know is I miss you bad I don't wanna sit around and feel this bad Drowning out my pain with your nightcap You never really know what's gonna happen And all I know is I miss you so Drowning out the pain with the nightcap. 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 Well, that was Grant Miller and everybody. He had a bounce. Pretty much right after finishing that, uh, I was like, are you happy with your take? And he's like, yeah, I think it was pretty good. Let me listen back real quick. We listen through. And, uh, you know, I put on a little studio magic, but dude just slayed it on the first take. And I heard Neil Young in an inter- interview talking about how uh, the more takes you do, the further from the source of the magic you get. Something like that. It's a paraphrase. And uh, when Neil Young says it, even more beautiful but anyways thank you for listening check out grant at millerinmusic.com you can find that link in the description that is m-i-l-l-i-r-e-n music.com anyways this is the mind over melody podcast tell your friends send the links thank you for listening and i will catch you next time this is brent brown peace out